attend the tale of composer Lily Harris and a new piece she was commissioned to write for Cheltenham Music Festival, inspired by trees and scored for 32 voices. After 130 of these podcasts, I am still of the mind that the work of composers remains a mystery to me. How does the idea move from the mind to the page? How does it get from the page to the instrument? And what does the composer think and feel throughout the life cycle of the piece? Lily Harris lives in south-east London. We met near to where she lives in Honour Oak to talk about her studies in composition, the process of composition, and to find out about the piece she was writing. And after that, we spoke directly after the premiere of her piece at Cheltenham Music Festival in June 2021. And two weeks after that, we spoke again in nearby Lewisham. What you need to bear in mind is that the premiere of this piece very nearly didn't happen. So this has come about through the Royal Philharmonic Society's Composers Scheme Award Emerging Composers uh, thing, where they pair up uh, young, but not necessarily young in age, young in career, composing career, uh, composers with different festivals, which I think is a really interesting way to approach that sort of scheme because there are several major orchestras in this country do fantastic schemes for young composers where you sort of come and work with them specifically Um, what's quite nice about this is that there's like a hub of the group together with the RPS that then you split off and you're sort of doing much more independent work so we're all doing different pieces to each other at different times so it's a bit more more independent a bit more um, personal responsibility Um, uh, so are you all working, uh, I get that you're working independently, but is there an element of this where you are sort of working together as a group and sharing sharing ideas, sharing experiences? Um, yes, to a certain extent. I think we probably would have done more of that had um, sort of February, March 2020 not interrupted our planned sessions. But the RPS put on some fantastic uh, group uh, training sessions and they have visitors come in and talk to us. We had one on publishing um, uh, and with the publisher whose name shot uh-huh. I'm going to say that again <laughs> because that's it would be terribly terribly ter- to make sure that you know the name of the publisher um, yeah RPS put on some fantastic sessions with people to come in and talk to us uh, we had one on publishing with shot who obviously share a building with the RPS um, and we've had people come in and talk about rights management pub- uh, performance rights um, all, all, this, all these kind of things and, and teaching we had one an online one recently that was really really interesting um about how to how to approach teaching composition which is yeah something that it's really kind of hard to put your finger on and i, I was reflecting on my time at, at college at the royal college of music and we had to do a sort of teaching module and there were only four composers in my year there's there's never many and they sort of said to us we could arrange for you to do composition teaching but if you don't really mind we'll just sort of put you in the piano class and at the time, I was like, well, I mean, I'm prob- if I was going to be teaching, I'd probably be doing more piano than composition. And I look back and I go, I, w- I wish I'd said no, actually. I would like to teach the thing that I'm currently being taught in because I have not had a piano lesson for a good couple of years now and it's not my primary instrument. I mean, I play it, but not very well. And I, it would have been, I think, a, a much... Well, I would have liked to have done that, I think, in retrospect. What stopped you, do you think? Uh, how old was I at the time? 1920 um, and I was like wow don't want to be too much trouble <laughs> okay. well and also it, 
it, it I mean it was a it was a fair it was a fair suggestion and I did get a lot out of it because I hadn't had a piano lesson for a while and it was a reminder of what goes into the practical essence of actually making sounds yourself as a musician and not just thinking them up and telling other people to do them and uh, there's still plenty of really universal nuances of how to deal with a, a child who's come to the lesson has not practiced and does not want to play how do you people manage that situation so I still got lots out of it uh, I've spoken to other training musicians who talk about the pressure that they experienced at college not because necessarily of the college but just the atmosphere of of you know building up to this point in their career and then actually there being even more pressure when they got there my assumption is that there would be a different kind of pressure if you're studying composition it's really hard to say because i haven't experienced the other thing and i got i got into the college sort of by the grace of god because i i interviewed and i was on the reserve list and so on. my interview was in December of my last year of school and I was on the reserve list up until results day in August. Um, and my sort of first choice university as, a, as the alternative option wanted A star AA for A-level results. So I was working really hard to get really good grades in my A-levels. The plan was to take if a gap year, do various trainings, opportunities and stuff and reapply to the college. And then if I didn't get in again, I still had my university place to fall back on. But on results day, I just I got a phone call. I got home from picking up my results. I got the grades I needed, which was good. And I got home and the phone rang and it was uh, uh, the registrar from Royal College of Music. And they said, uh, a couple of people have chosen to go to Cambridge instead. Would you like to come? Term starts in three weeks. I was like, uh, <laughs> cool, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> uh, so that's the incentive, that's the motivation. But was there pressure when you got there? Oh, for sure. Um, my first composition professor when I got there, we had a, we had a conversation. And she said, so how, how many hours a day do you compose? And I fluffed myself up and I said, one. <laughs> and she was like, is that all? And I was like, I was exaggerating. <laughs> she adopted the judgmental approach then. Is that all? Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, looking back, that's a completely fair thing to say. But I, I had no idea what studying composition meant. It was a hobby that I enjoyed um, I mean, I'd, I'd learned instruments and I knew that you had to put practice in, but I wasn't, I wasn't performing at a performance standard. It was just something that I knew that I liked doing. It was something I knew I wanted to pursue. I pursued outside of school. I'd done the Sound Music Composing course twice in the summer, and it, I was doing it independently. And but I, I just hadn't across my mind that it was something that you would <laughs> sit down and do actually you would do for hours a day <laughs> it's something that would just happen is I, that... <laughs> well I was so naive I was like well how can you know if you can compose today because the wind is blowing from the west and I go <laughs> <laughs> okay but still I noticed that you're dodging the question or maybe you haven't got to that bit yet did you experience pressure as a composer was there peer pressure as a composer or is it quite an isolated experience of college oh I think I think there's, there is a cultural atmosphere that you pick up quite quickly. Um, I, think the, I think the Royal College of Music is quite good in the sense that there is a decent amount of acceptance of a broad variety of musical composing styles, which I, I hear is not the same in all establishments, but still there is a, a sort of an assumption that you will be writing in a modern acoustic, that you will be extending the ex techniques of instruments that you will be doing clever things um, and I know there was one composer in my year who came with a much more sort of 
Schubertian style, um, and he sort of fought, he pushed against the, uh, the, the the wind of the prevailing wind, and I don't think he necessarily enjoyed that as much. I think I I came with this sort of feeling that hey, it's nice when music sounds nice, and um, I mean. I've kind of come back, back round to that recently, but at the same time, I appreciated that I was being shown things that I wouldn't have picked out for myself, and I didn't necessarily like all of it, but I started to appreciate um, that new sound world that I hadn't, I, hadn't re- I hadn't really listened to lots of contemporary music before I got there, and I think, I think in some ways the, sort of the, the, the implicit expectation of the style that you'd be doing was helpful in some senses but it was also there, there was a lot of oh oh you've made a triad oh. I mean, okay <laughs> okay so, so actually what you're saying is there was a there was an expectation that you would push boundaries or that you would extend um the technical demands on instrumentalists or instruments uh, uh and and sort of there was a an element of surprise if possibly disdain when when you presented convention yes i think that's fair to say i think what was quite interesting was uh we initially did spent some of our sort of faculty classes presenting our own work to each other which was always an interesting experience to to hear people describe their work and and present it there was also therefore the risk of of um embarrassing yourself in front of the class um and my first presentation bless bless my little cotton socks i'd written um a piece for the BBC Inspire com- composing competition the year before, and I was inspired by the a story about the ravens at the Tower of London escaping and uh, just flitting around East London until someone came to catch them. And I just thought that was absolutely hilarious. So um, I wrote a piece that was sort of about that, about them escaping and flying over London, and it was it was pretty tonal. Um, had a, had a couple of clashes in there Ooh. Um, and I presented this to the class and I was telling them about the, the story and how you know this represents this and this, you know, takes you on a journey and it's the birds flying and they're having fun wee. and afterwards one of, one of my classmates, he's, we were in the cafe and he was like, you did a good presentation like, you, it was nice to, to hear about your, your, your pieces I was like, okay thank you very much if I were you, I wouldn't have talked about the story behind it. Um, I, you know, it's not, you're not, it's not really sort of about that. I don't think it's really necessary. Music's not about stories. It's, you kind of don't need to talk about it. And I went, thanks. I didn't ask, but thank you. What did you? So when you said thank you, do you? I mean, you, the, Rebecca may have primed you about this. This is ten, this is generally what happens in interviews. When you when you said thank you, was that? I mean, I know how I feel when I hear that. When I hear you tell that story, what was your what was your internal reaction to that, aside from thank you? I'm not, I'm not quite, quite sure that's exactly what I said. I may be projecting that back, but I kind of, I was a bit, I was a bit upfront. I was, okay, thank you very much. Well, I'm just saying it now, because, yeah, it's, it's a social tick. I was, I was just, I was a little bit surprised, because it, it felt, if, in a sense, I think, I quite quickly realised that I think he was projecting um, that's the high dependency unit. That's the high dependency <laughs> unit. Um, <laughs> it's coming to apply um, cool to the sick burn that we've just done. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think. I think. I thought. I, if I remember correctly, I, I realised quite quickly that my assumption was he was projecting um, his own sort of insecurity about revealing 
a different working approach. Um, if I, I, th- I think I, I, I sort of stood my ground gently that no, it, it's important to how I write music. Um, I don't see why not. Um, I mean, why not? Why? Yeah, who's, who's saying? Who exactly? My reaction is: Who exactly is saying that music isn't about story? And why wouldn't you tell the story before you play the music? Yeah, I, I, I wonder now if if he'd had a conversation with uh, another couple of students or something who have particularly strong feelings so I think there were a couple of students who were like no music is never about anything it's only maths and uh, I wonder if he'd had a conversation he was sort of almost relaying it for them um, and my take on that is okay some music isn't about anything some music is isn't that nice <laughs> <laughs> did that did that in any way knock you uh I don't want to say knock confidence, but it, did it give you any pause for thought? Did it, did it, uh, or did you carry on as, as normal? It did give me pause for thought. I think it made me realise that um, judgments were being made, and that people were watching, and and it made me, I, I think, I guess, more aware of even if nothing was said out loud people listening to what i said in like faculty classes and stuff and yeah no one no one wants to be judged negatively amongst their peers um and i i but it didn't really change my approach i have tried on a number of occasions over, over the years since to write a piece of music with no starting point other than like a pitch pattern or something and i have never ever enjoyed it it's never produced anything I'm particularly proud of. I've, it's, it was always a grueling process. For me, there, there just has to be some sort of narrative or emotional impetus. It's about feeling like X. Okay. Because for, for me, the, the sort of the pattern I've settled into is that writing a piece is almost like writing an essay. There's a question, and I answer the question, and like, in this essay, I will. <laughs> da, 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 da. And the conclusion is, I've done it now. Do you need to be emotionally aligned to the question, or is? Do you have? Yeah. Do you have to be aligned to the question? Do you? Do you have to be able to connect with the question, in order to write in a way that satisfies you? I think on some level, I don't necessarily have to be in that mindset. There's that classic sort of, oh, you know, the tortured artist. The, people can't make art unless they're, you know depressed and angry no if I'm depressed I'm not writing anything because I can't be bothered um, so uh, so for example so the, the piece that I'm writing for the Cheltenham Festival is a setting of Tennyson a set extract of the Tennyson poem In Memoriam it's quite sad it's quite dark I'm not feeling that sad myself but you sit for a minute and you think the, the, the person well the, the, the character the person in this poem expressing his feelings is feeling this I'm, I'm going to put myself in that seat for a minute. Wow, that's sad. And off you go. And you just... It's, it's, I guess it's an exercise in empathy and imagination, putting yourself in someone else's shoes. So sometimes I'm... Sometimes I sort of try to put myself in the shoes of someone and then reflect their perspective, or my perspective, or you know, that perspective. And sometimes it's more that I want to draw an audience in to, to see something it's kind of amounts to the same thing but some, sometimes I'm very much thinking from the character looking outwards and sometimes I'm thinking more I want the audience to come in 
how far along are you in the creative process? This is not me holding you to account, but I am interested. You say not holding to account, but I did listen to an interview with Camilla, and you were asking her how it <laughs> Well, only because I was really interested in, you know, what's this been like? And she looked, I've got to say, she looked broken. <laughs> she really did, and I completely understand why. But I was just being nosy. No, um, I actually, I brought it with me. Oh, goodness me. Because... You've got a prop. Oh my god, you've got see I get excited by scores and so You it's, write on paper. I, you write on paper. I do. I I <gasps> don't like going straight into notation software because it's just something about it. Um oh, so my and a sharp pencil. That is oh, a sharp pencil. Have to keep sharpening it because yes. it gets blunt after about four bars. Yes. Um so my Cheltenham piece is actually basically finished. Um I was finishing it up yesterday. So I've got the poem. Finding this poem was a bit of a long story because um, I. Lord. There is a there is a child. They they happen sometimes. Someone told me why once. Um, so I. There's various sort of theories about um. Theories that's being very grand. I was distracted by the child. Um, when you write a new a new piece, you want to write something special but you also want to write something ideally that could relatively easily be transported and reperformed elsewhere mm-hmm. so you, so the logic would say that you don't write anything that's too specific now i tend to write things that are very very specific because i don't know why it just maybe part of the sort of the, the narrative story thing that always like, works for me i i like the idea of there being there's this specific opportunity and there's something special about that that maybe i don't know and I like to explore it. So uh, when I did the RSNO Young Composers scheme, uh, it just so happened that on the train back from a visit up to Glasgow, also getting the train up to Glasgow and back, delightful, um, I was watching a clip on BBC News of the Red Road Flats being demolished and watching these massive, massive tower blocks. This, you know, a controlled explosion, the whole thing just comes straight vertically down and there's just a massive cloud of dust that just seems to hang around the air forever. I just was like that's amazing and there's, there's there's so much story here like there's something really sad about things being destroyed as quick as like if, if we ever drop a glass at home and it smashes I just cry I find it really upsetting because it's broken um so I was just like right okay so that my piece is gonna be about that so it was and so it's very specific it's, it's an orchestral piece about the demolition of a block of flats in Glasgow it doesn't travel very well but it was something that I was really proud of and that I was really motivated to write. So, long story short, Cheltenham Music Festival. I was like, right, Cheltenham, Gloucester Way, um, Forest, whose name? I cannot remember now. What's the famous forest there? It's not Forest sh- of Dean. Forest of Dean. Forest of Dean. What is my memory these days? Um, so, I was, so, I kind of had in mind that I wanted something almost Midsummer Night's Dreamy kind of magic in the forest at night time dark things um, so I was trying to do some research into just generally the history of the forest and nothing quite like that was coming up but what I did stumble across was an article about the fact that um, the the ground is iron rich which is why the Romans mined there and which is why the forest of Dean has quite a high number of yew trees because yew trees love iron I was like that's interesting history of the yew tree <laughs> And it just reminds you that it's, it's, an, it's an amazing plant. It is, it is essentially immortal. It grows, it can have new growth from the oldest bark. It 
new trees essentially grow up around the edge of the old one, so it just gets wider and wider and wider. There are 2,000-year-old yew trees in this country that urban legend, well, not urban legend, old, old legend says Pontius Pilate was born under an English yew tree. Did not know that. How very Church of England. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, this is amazing. And so I was like, there's got to be some poetry about yew trees. And I found um, this section of the In Memoriam by Lord Tennyson, um, and it's, I mean, I'm not, I wasn't familiar with Tennyson, shame on me, um, but it's just so beautifully formed. Four verses, each verse is four lines. Essentially, the, you could rattle, you could go through these very quickly, and it's not the sort of poem that I felt warranted any repetition or too complicated running through the lines because it, the rhythm and the phrasing is all, it's all there. You don't need to touch it. So what I have instead introduced is sort of interludes at the beginning and the end and sort of between some of the verses, which is like a church bell ringing. Um, that is sort of an, an extra sort of character in in the poem and in the, in the song and the singers at various points will so all, all the sort of church bell chimes will be the singers going dum and at various points they will sing bits of melody that are wordless that I'm sort of imagining is almost like the tree answering back like that sort of the, the rustle and the, the comfort because trees are not conscious beings but they are alive and there is something special about being in with trees there's a fantastic concept of tree bathing i think it's in japan of just going and spending time near trees because it it lowers our blood pressure you know all about this it's it's amazing i love it so there's kind of that sort of idea woven into this so it's just goes through the verses um it's mostly in b flat minor and and it's scored for how many for what exactly so it's for a cappella choir uh, it's for the merton college choir so i think they're about 32 voices Okay, and that's in July. Yes. Okay, and arrangements for that will be what? Given the choirs can't get together, is it a professional choir? Uh, I think so. Fingers crossed. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean even even last year, that I think the plan was not to have too many rehearsals. So. No, I mean, I was just thinking about guidelines. Okay. I was just concerned about oh, yes. guidelines for choirs because actually, if choirs can't get, if they're an amateur, I think the rule is now. It's, if they're an amateur choir doing an amateur performance, it's six people. But if they're an amateur choir doing a professional performance, then apparently it's okay. Also, it's nice weather now. They can they can sing a, they can sing outside under a yew tree. <laughs> right. So, in that respect, being specific is really quite handy. Uh, how do you feel about this? Looking at it now, uh, I'm I'm quite pleased with it because again, I was doing you know, I play it all through and sing it to myself. There's quite a lot of tune in the soprano because. I have a female voice. Um, the only thing I'm, I'm going to come back to tonight is just review the end. Because I wasn't sure which bit I wanted to come back at after the end of the last verse. And I've written one thing and I keep mulling it over. I might have to come back and switch that one. I just turned up. We were just stating it. You know? <laughs> I just turned up and they went, here you are. Okay, right. Uh, um, tell me who you are, please, why you're here. I'm Lily Harris, and I'm here because my piece has got played. Yay! <laughs> you make it, you make it sound like you're really relieved, like they weren't going to be played. They really weren't going to be played um, because the Merton College or the Merton College Choir, who were scheduled to perform the choral piece up until last night, when they heard they had to self-isolate because five members of the choir um, tested positive, um, and the carousingers had to step in literally today. 
when did they get the music? Um, I'm not entirely sure at what point in the day they got the music. Um, all, I, all I know is by the rehearsal at about 6.30 they had the music. So had you, you'd heard Merton College, the, 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 the original choir, you'd heard them rehearse it? I'd actually only heard the snippet of them that was played on Women's Hour this morning. So it's all worked out fine. <laughs> Such oh, is the COVID uh, life. Uh, wow, I didn't expect it to be quite so hairy. What, what, what has that been like for you then? Um, I mean, on one level, quite relaxing because it's like there's literally nothing I can do about it. Um, it was, I think if we weren't in COVID times, I probably would have gone up to Merton College and like sat in a rehearsal. Um, but I hadn't, uh, so I, I, I was, I was, I've actually just been away in Orkney, um, and I was sitting in Glasgow waiting for the sleeper train last night, and I just checked my emails, and I had an email from Camilla, just like, by the way, Merton are having to pull out, we may not premiere your piece, we'll oh, see. What did that, what, was that like, oh no? Or, or... That, was, that was, a, was a bit of a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> I was just a... Uh, was that just... time laying out the parts correctly. <laughs> And I was just sat there like, okay, I'm getting the sleeper train in an hour, and then I'm going down to London, and then I'm going on Woman's Hour to talk about the premiere of this piece that might now not be performed. Who do I tell? Who? I'm in Nando's. Who do I talk to? <laughs> oh, the, oh, the humanity. The humanity of it all. Uh, so what was it like then hearing it? Oh, it was, it was glorious. It was, it was just really... I thought you'd only written one piece, but actually there were two. I snuck two in there. and, I, and there was, <laughs> Nobody knew. There was a moment last night when I was really quite pleased that I'd done two slightly different instrumentations, that one of them at least would get premiered because the trumpeter was there. <laughs> <laughs> the, so the, the, you wrote a trumpet fanfare. Yes. And then the first one that we talked about in Honor Oak, yeah. that was the choral piece, the choral piece. which was ravishing. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, what is the experience of hearing something that you've created here now after all of that stress? Oh, it was really beautiful. And I think the um, sort of the really relaxed atmosphere of the mixtape concert really helps. Like, um, obviously, I unexpectedly got called up onto the stage at the end, and then it took me a good couple of minutes to realise I was well. It felt like a couple of minutes to realise I was still wearing my mask. And then, what was the point of me being up there with my mask? No, we, who is this woman? Why is she there? I finally got used to having it on my face. And a matching mask too. If I'm not oh, just, matching. just almost yes. matching. I mean, I've seen all these people with like, you know, the, the full outfit, and I had a white one. I was like, no, I've got to go, got to blend in a bit more. Um, no, because so it was obviously during the concert that was kind of there wasn't that moment of being brought on the stage immediately after. It was just I was kind of I wasn't sure. I was like, do I? And I sort of stood up a little bit, and then for the second one, I was like, now just stay sat down. And I quite like that. That like in the flow of the concert, you, you, don't, you don't feel like you're interrupting it, and you're just it's just happening, and everyone's just enjoying it. And I thought that was really really nice. So it was I was, a gorgeous event. A really really special event it's lovely that people all came together and were sat in the round uh, uh, beautifully curated too a very thing a very lovely thing to be a part of uh, what do you do next what's next but you're not going to Nando's you've already been to Nando's I'm not going to Nando's um, uh, probably going to try and go out for a little drink and then um, we're going to have a nice sleep I, I, I splashed out on the four poster bed at the new inn and it, <laughs> actually I should clarify my question was really about what's the next piece of work you're working on <laughs> not where are you sleeping no I needed to say it because this room is really fun we just we popped in and like there's not a single straight line in it it's all wonky and crooked and oh. four poster bed no it's really really yeah, it sounds like my no. I need I need straight lines and modern builds really, and firm mattresses. What is the mattress like? It seems fine. It seems fine. <laughs> wow, what a pragmatic response! I believe that we're going to meet again um, when the dust has settled. 
do you, want, do you actually want me to ask, answer your question of what comes next work-wise? Yes, go on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I got distracted. No, I, I distracted you. With, um, no, I'm, I'm going to write a small uh, choral piece for choir and organ um, and then possibly something else coming up in the summer. Right. When will we hear those things, please? Um, choir and organ, not for a bit. That's going to be in December. And then the other thing, possibly November. That's not sure yet because COVID. How exciting for you. I'm very pleased. Thank you very much for your time uh, and I'll be in touch. Well, thank you for coming. Uh, no. Tell me where we are and why we're here and what you're doing today. Um, we're in the therapeutic garden next to St Mary the Virgin Church in Lewisham. Um, it's a very warm, sunny, well not quite so sunny at the moment, uh, afternoon. And we're here because the National Youth Choir Fellowship Octet are doing a concert shortly in the church where they will be singing my piece Margaret. <laughs> Have you arranged this event in order for more of your music to be performed? Is that is that what no, you've done? No, this is just a genuine coincidence. Um, I got a message from one of the singers a few weeks ago. I can't quite remember when. Just saying, oh, we're going to do a concert. Is it all right if we sing Margaret? Given that it's a setting of a plaque in the church. Yep, that would be lovely. Thank you. Uh, tell me about Margaret then. So Margaret, Margaret Hollard, Valentine Colf. Um, she died in 1643 and there's a plaque to her in the church because her husband was pastor of Lewisham, her second husband Um, and so the plaque records her as a nurse, midwife, surgeon and in part physician to all, both rich and poor and leaving an annual gift of 20 shillings So Colf, hence the the name of the school, Colf School Exactly, so part of the sort of Colf legacy because I think Abraham Kolf um, died it was about 20 years after her he was quite a bit younger it was her second marriage um, he left quite a, an important legacy as well I think partly due to some of the wealth that he gained from marrying a slightly wealthy lady uh, Margaret um, and obviously then it became his money upon marriage um, some great information from local historian Julian Watson on that topic um, he left so he set the legacy of the school which I think was it one of the first schools for poor boys i'm not quite sure but it was it was quite i think it's quite important but he also set up an almshouse as well or at least one um in the area so there's something about you and composing and history you just love history don't you i maybe didn't realize before but i think increasingly yes i do um particularly given uh, yesterday sound hub uh, played one of my other pieces which is about the ancient standing stones of orkney so yeah i think i do quite yeah, like history yeah. <laughs> <laughs> history is is the thing have you heard the piece from Cheltenham. Have you heard that performance? I've not heard the recording back yet, no. Does that mean that you've got it, but you haven't got around to listening to it? I haven't got it yet, so... Oh, oh have you got it? <laughs> oh! Oh, OK! <laughs> oh, I, I know technically that's quite naughty. Yes, I have. Yes. Well, that's exciting. Uh, so I'll maybe, ask, that's good. I'll maybe that, ask for it. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I may not have got right at the beginning, but... Um, that's really good that you haven't heard it because I wonder whether you can recall hearing it. Can you recall wait, what is this thing that you've worked on in isolation that very nearly didn't get performed uh, for all manner of present day uh, challenges? I wonder, given that you haven't heard a recording, how, how does it sit in your mind now as a memory? Oh, it's a really, really lovely memory. The acoustic of Gloucester Cathedral. I mean, I'd, I'd heard that it was good and I'd heard that um, Ben from... Merton College had said oh this will do really well in the acoustic and I was like well that sounds good that's promising that's, that's alright <laughs> thanks um, and then and then we were there and I heard the choir rehearsing I mean not long before the concert it was kind of early evening by the time they were rehearsing and the acoustic really was quite astounding there were a, a couple of moments where the sopranos their voices just rang 
so clearly for several seconds. I mean, slightly longer than you'd expect. And it started to get like, whoa. And it wasn't just the pitch. It was the timbre of the specific voice. You could tell who'd sung that note and it was being sung back by the church. I was like, wow, that's that's really quite something. And in the waveform, there is a pause before, quite a considerable pause before the applause. I get very excited about that kind of thing. Um, uh, so you're pleased. You're, are there anything, is there anything that you would change? Oh, I'm sure there's all sorts of things that I would change. Um, I can't think of them exactly off the top of my head, but there's some things. I think one of the things I was thinking of changing the direction for some of the ums um, and things to give the option to sing more like ooh, to get a little bit more of a ringing sound, because obviously it's less closed than um, which is completely closed mouth, um, particularly if it's a smaller ensemble, like the eight singers rather than the... 32? There were going to be 32 yeah. voices. Right? Yeah, so it's a bit of a difference in size. So I, that's, this one's sort of the practical reasons, because when I was hearing the other pieces that they sang as a choir... Um, that the ringing of the open sounds was so beautiful. I think some parts of my piece were a little bit more muted because of because I've written it to be quiet with a slightly larger choir, but I think that's something I might add as a direction to give the option to, to let the s- sound ring a little bit more. Uh, what are you working on next? Um, in the immediate future, I'm working on a Christmas-themed uh, carol song um, that I need to finish by the end of the month, so I really am on that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Amongst other things, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, there's time. It's only July. Yep, that's yep, that's where we're at. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a it's been a surprisingly busy month, and then the one before that also. It's it's been a bit a little bit mad, but that's fine. I was reading through the text. I found a really nice um, poem that's very human and very gentle. Um, shockingly, as this will come as a massive surprise to you, having listened to my previous piece, I quite like gentle music at the moment. So, yeah, it's, it's another gentle, reflective one. Um, I'm striking out, um, and then beyond that, yeah, I'm going to do a song cycle for children's voices. In, as as I've sort of moved on career-wise in the last few years, the sort of the amount of interaction with the ensemble has decreased a bit because obviously. Um, you start to work in a slightly different format and it's less workshop driven and more like commission performance driven and so um, in that sense I'd written the piece and I'd sent it off and I sent it off and it took a few days for somebody to reply and I was like please someone tell me that it's okay I'll stop being needy because it's only been three days and you should see the backlog of my email inbox so that's really not bad considering but like could someone just say that it's okay like great cool okay it's okay fine I've sent it off that's fine Um, and then I hadn't heard it until the day of and that's that's in, I'm starting to get used to that format, but it, it has been a bit change of a bit of a change from previously, where you'd be on a composer scheme and you'd have an initial workshop and then maybe a second workshop and then a rehearsal, and it's a bit more involved. Um, but it's kind of fun in a way, and I think on some level it slightly lowers the emotional stakes because if it if it works, it works. If it doesn't, okay. I'll do something different yeah, on the next one. It does strike me that you have to be able to just let go, especially given that you haven't heard it. I, don't, I, I, I find that fascinating and I'm also rather heartbroken about it. But, but obviously you're quite... You seem quite grown up and together, so obviously it's not bother, bothering you too much. <laughs> I, I, I think if I think about it too much, it might, but I, I think in some way I've just, I have got a bit used to that. And it is, in a way, quite freeing, because I used to get... I used to get very upset about some of the composition process I still do to a certain extent but I think it's much less angst driven angst driven these days I think partly writing choral music just it feels more of a natural fit <laughs> one can't get angry I mean the idea that one would get angry writing choral music it just <laughs> like he was really angry when he wrote this was he I can't tell it's just ours yes <laughs> um can you smell chamomile I can smell chamomile 
I mean, are you wearing chamomile? Oh, okay, right. I, but I, yeah, I can, it's chamomile tea. Oh, okay, That's okay. what it makes me. I wondered whether there were chamomile plants <laughs> around here, but no, it's you. <laughs> uh, thank you very much indeed. You must go and prepare and sing and do things. <laughs>